going to invite you to have a seat, and Hope and Tony are going to read our scripture for us. So you can turn to Matthew 5. We're going to continue in the um, Sermon on the... Oh, you're going to use that. Okay, great. We're going to continue on the um, Sermon on the Mount. And today, Jesus, he knew uh, that the ministry of peacemaking was going to be essential for the church. And so as we listen today... um, we are trusting that he's going to grow us as peacemakers. Matthew 5, 3 to 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, this is God's word. Thanks be to God. God. That's right. This week as I was um, preparing this message, I thought about Taylor Swift. (laughs) It's not that uncommon, is it, in our culture? Um, But I wasn't thinking about who she was dating. So... um, I, was, I had some old song lyrics go through my mind, all right? And this is what went through my mind, and I'm not going to sing it, um, because the player's going to play, 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 and the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake. I shake it off, shake it off. I see some people starting to dance. All right, shaking it off. Uh, conflicts happen in dating, and because we're prone to sin, conflicts happen within the church as well, just like it happens in the world, unfortunately. And it really hurts our witness in the world um, when they come in and see fighting, because they see fighting and breakups everywhere they are, right? And so um, when they come to the church, people are looking for unconditional love, and the ability to work through conflict in peaceable ways and to not start shooting off our mouths, drawing our fist, or pulling out some kind of weapon. Amen? The church is called to be different. We have a kingdom role as peacemakers everywhere, and today I feel like I want to focus on being a peacemaker in the church. And what we learn today can apply to every other realm of your lives, so your work life, your home life, your being a neighbor, a friend, a, a family member, a cousin, a niece, whatever. All right, so the um, trouble that we see in, um, as we anticipate why Jesus might be saying this about peacemakers is because as Jesus looks down the long hallway of history, he can anticipate 
that with restoring people back into right relationship with God, that it's going to create conflict within the religious systems of the day. The religious system at the time these Beatitudes were written, there was a temple and synagogues. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. There were a few priests and um, a high priest. And um, the whole Jewish system, the religious system, focused on free Jewish men. No women, children, or slaves were being educated. They sat in separate areas in the temple. They didn't go to the synagogues. And um, so that was kind of the context. Sometimes when we're reading this today, we just miss a lot because we kind of imagine like church here, you know. And so um, that was their context. And so there were going to be changes, and Jesus could anticipate that there were going to be changes as his ministry ushering in the kingdom of God and starting restoring all things, that there was going to be um, some changes. How many of you like changes? How many of you like things to stay kind of status quo routine? Yeah, okay, I'm seeing some hands. Well, here's some things that were going to happen. Worship wasn't going to be limited to the Jews anymore. And so Jesus intended to welcome the Gentiles. And this resulted in conflict and debate. You remember at the Jewish council, I'm going to kind of go back and forth between telling you, you know, what was going to change and then kind of how did that shake out? Where did the conflict happen? Okay. Um, Jesus was going to fulfill the law. And so the leader's roles of offering the sacrifices and um, all was going to be fulfilled in um, Jesus' sacrifice, sacrificial death on the cross. And so those leaders were going to have to, their paradigms were going to get stretched. Um, their roles were going to change. Now, you know, Nicodemus came at night, but most were very skeptical, were feeling very threatened because others were following, starting to follow Jesus. And it was changing things. Jesus would equip his disciples with the Holy Spirit, his authority, and his word, and all the believers were going to become a royal priesthood. That was God's intention and plan. And so you remember the church in Corinth, um, which, again, Jacob mentioned reading Corinthians, um, they had conflict as they were trying to come into the fullness of the use of their gifts but they were also um, had pride going on and, you know, like speaking over each other and not testing things. And so um, there was some conflict about how to use the gifts peaceably and honorably, but use the gifts. All right. The disciples objected when Mary came to anoint Jesus with the expensive fragrance. Do you remember that? Um, anointing him for burial before his crucifixion. Well, why was she wasting that expensive perfume? Really? I mean, that could have, like, think of what that money could have done. There was a conflict in their head, and they didn't just think it. They spoke it, and Jesus had to be the peacemaker. He had to listen and then kind of explain why this unusual event was so special to him that it was going to be repeated and told over and over through history. People don't like new or unexpected things. And so Jesus could see that there was going to be a role for peacemakers. Changes of any sort can create anxiety or even grief about the way things used to be. And sometimes it results in conflict. 
So Paul saw this when some of the disciples um, had initially stepped into that freedom that the Gentiles were to have, but then they resorted back to their old Jewish ways when some of their buddies came. And so um, it dishonored the freedom that God had given, and Paul had to confront them on this behavior um, because it was going to hurt the advance of the kingdom. It wasn't just about personal preference or these are my friends, and that old way is kind of the way that I liked it and I was familiar with that. Um, it was going to really impede progress and being able to reach out to new and different people with new and different culture. Paul, another example of this, um, Paul urged Philemon to receive his runaway slave Onesimus back um, as a brother in the Lord and not a slave. Paul was acting as a peacemaker in his letters. His work was a foreshadowing of how the gospel was going to call people to honor each other with dignity and freedom. Jesus knew that while his followers were on earth, they would battle temptation from their own flesh, and we've got a sworn enemy that tries to create division, um, and it damages our kingdom witness, and it really could derail the advancement of the kingdom on earth. Trouble then, I just told you a number of those troubles and those conflicts that came with change. Um, Does the church still have some trouble today? All right. Um, We do. And um, we laugh, but it really is, it's a sad thing. It's a very sad thing. Um, But I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're saved by grace, and we're being transformed from glory to glory, but none of us are perfect. We're not perfect in this church. Other churches in town are not perfect, but we're working towards being cooperating with the Holy Spirit, letting him change our lives, change our attitudes. And so um, we need to learn and grow as peacemakers. I really think that's what Jesus is saying to us today. Church conflict can be devastating to live through. Um, If people don't take their membership vows seriously with radical love, forgiveness, and grace. I've lived through a few of those. Shed a lot of tears. Some of you have too. I recently attended the Grand Rapids North Classes meeting. What that is for those of you that are guests and maybe don't know, that's a group of delegates from each church in the Grand Rapids North area has a meeting three times a year. And so pastors and elders and deacons from each church delegates go and they meet together. And as we were meeting, we were lamenting. Pastors and church leaders were lamenting because yet another church and pastor over the summer had decided to part ways. Friends, we need to take this teaching from Jesus seriously to heart. It's for the joy of our calling and for our witness to the transforming power of the gospel. Conflicts can arise. They can be big or little. And so I've got, I I just thought, I'm just going to, from my experience, things I've been either heard by colleagues or seen or experienced myself, um, I heard a pastor say, 
actually there was a team that went um, through and prayed through the church, and one of those on the team said, I, I'm feeling there's something between this side and this side of the sanctuary. And he said, oh, well, there's this feuding family, and um, one of the families sits on this side and one sits on this side, and when we pass the peace, nobody crosses the aisle. And as, you know, the guests, when they come in, they can start to feel the tension. Like, why are we only circulating here and only circulating here? Um, guests can feel that when there's that kind of conflict. It spills over from the outside of what's going on the rest of your life and can come right on in. Another example is when a church planter had his core team together and they were praying about where were they going to um, establish their worship center? Where were they going to worship? And the whole team was super excited about the house church model. And the church planner was super excited about some space, some office space that was vacant and available for rent. And he was absolutely certain that that was where they were supposed to go. And so they argued for several months, split up, and the church plant never got off the ground. Conflict. All right, another example. Um, I visited this church and learned that um, money had been donated by um, a party in the church to install screens and a a projector so that they could project the song lyrics up so that people could read them and keep their heads up while they were singing. And um, yet there was a disgruntled group of people in the church because um, they wanted the the, um, paper, the paper with the music score on it so that they could maintain their harmonies. And um, so the only way that it got approved to be up on the screen is if they included not just the lyrics but the musical score as well, which meant that it was, well, for one thing, that's just really hard to find, and it was really little to read. And so I was there worshiping, and I thought, oh, oh, it looks like little ants up there, you know, (laughs) because all the little notes. Um, But there had been a conflict because whether we can have the scored music to sing along with or not. All right, I'm not saying there's necessarily a right or a wrong um, on any of these, but I'm saying that because there was difference and preference, individual preference, it created conflict. And how that conflict gets handled really either reflects the goodness of the gospel and the character of God, or it doesn't. A couple more examples. Another pastor shared with me that one morning he felt led to ask the pianist to um, play that song again just instrumentally. Um, The other singers would not sing, um, but just to tarry in the presence of the Lord for a few minutes. And that untimed, uh, unplanned time of being quiet before the Lord led to a spontaneous prayer being prayed. Afterwards, many people in the congregation came and said that was just such a meaningful moment of worship together. And then there were others that were so anxious and so angry because it went off script. It wasn't on the printed order of worship. And so, therefore, it created a lot of angst. Leadership structures, they vary by denomination. Um, Some of you may know this, some of you don't, 
but conflicts can arise around um, how they're implemented and where the authority is resting. And so particularly if you have people that come in and are unfamiliar with whichever way a church is established. And so a congregational-type model of church governance where the congregation um, considers matters voting, and that vote is where the authority rests. Um, This church model is a Presbyterian-type form of governance where we say the office bearers hold the authority. And so that's where the final decisions are made. Now, with either one of these models, there's wisdom There's kind of a checks and balance. It's informal. But if either way, if one or the other doesn't take it, like let's just say the congregational model where, you know, the vote would depend, you know, that would be the decision. But if you had the leadership of the church not in any kind of agreement and there was no discussion about that ahead of time, you know, that could really end up with a vote that has real significant implications and vice versa, um, if, if a form of governance like what we have at Gold doesn't communicate well and doesn't think things through, um, it can create angst, right? And so there's all these opportunities for um, people to be misunderstood, disagreements to happen, and Jesus anticipated all this when he said, blessed are the peacemakers, And so each of these conflict scenarios should really cause us to ask this question. Are we committed to being peacemakers when concerns and conflicts arise? Are we committed to being covenant community that works through our differences and models for the world being peacemakers? Um, Are we going to just say, you don't agree with me, shake it off, shake it off? We're shaking off our teammates. If the world's getting darker and the Lion of Judah is going to be revealed um, and things are going to become more conflict, I'm not not saying this is the way it's going, but I'm saying we've got a Bible that talks about and lays out like what happens as we get near the time of Jesus' return. And we don't, none of us know that time or day, but we don't want to shake off the people who are we going to need to be a a regiment of soldiers, Christian army, not with guns, but with prayer and with love and with a witness of a peaceable way forward. And if we shake off those that are in the world and try to isolate ourselves, um, our mission (laughs) is to bring the good news to them. And so we don't want to shake anybody off. And um, Jesus didn't want his disciples to just shake off the Romans, shake off the Jewish leaders. He wanted them to love and be able to start trying to be peacemakers. Jesus is coming back for a radiant bride without a spot or blemish or a wrinkle. And um, I believe one of the ways that that's going to happen is we're going to grow as peacemakers. And so God offers this grace and blessing to live lives as peacemakers. He calls forth and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. And that word's only used once. It's a really unusual word. And so that makes you think, well, what's this about? So peace is a state of tranquility. 
It's harmony between individuals. It can be tranquility in a nation, like we're free from war right now, so we are tranquil. Um, It can mean safe and secure as a result of that peace. Or as Christians, it's a tranquil state because we're at peace with God, our maker, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so we're not afraid of anything. And then, all right, so that's peace, right? Tranquility, harmony, peace with God, peace with others. And then a keeper or a maker, depending on what version you're using, it's to cause or bring about, to prepare, it's to produce, it's to make one do something, or to make a path forward. And so when Jesus spoke of peace, the audience he was talking to were Jewish. And so they would think about the Jewish concept of shalom. And shalom means giving wholeness and people living in harmony with each other, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom is different than what the government of Rome brought. The Jewish people weren't having the skirmishes that they had been having before, but they had this military leadership where they weren't flourishing because they were under that military leadership. Shalom would be looking out for the welfare of all people, not just the Romans. All right? So shalom is true peace with nothing and no one missing or broken. And so what does a peacemaker do? Well, I read this story about two farmers. They, their wives had died, their kids had grown up, and all they had was their two farms that were side by side and each other. And so one day there was a little calf that wandered into the, one of the farmer's yards. So both the farmers went out to check it out and to determine whose calf it was, and they disagreed. And so they got angry with each other, and the one farmer paid somebody to come in and dig a big trench between their two farms, and then that filled with water. Well, the other farmer was so irritated with his neighbor that he hired a carpenter to come and build a fence. I don't even want to see that trench. And so the carpenter listens to the, what's going on, takes measurements, goes and gets the lumber, comes back, finishes the project, gets paid, leaves. The farmer goes out to inspect this. And what does he see? But this beautifully crafted bridge over the trench. And the other, his, his former friend, coming across the bridge and saying, thanks so much for building this bridge. I was really missing you. And hey, by the way, that calf, I knew it wasn't mine. I was just feeling really cranky that day. And I just said it was mine. But thanks for, thanks for building this. And I really wanted to get back together. And um, all of a sudden, they're reconciled. All right? Well, we can think about this um, peacemaking as building bridges. The terms used very broadly, it can mean, like I said before, building a bridge, which Jesus did. I mean, there's that bridge illustration, right? That kind of you draw the, the illustration of like, you know, man separated from God and Jesus on the cross makes a way and a path for us to be restored where when we place our face with him. That supreme, we might call that supreme peacemaking. So evangelism, hey, you guys that are... Marissa, I just have to look at you and others of you that are just evangelists. But we all are called to um, this peacemaking work of sharing the gospel. And then we're also called to help be peacemakers and build bridges 
through inviting shalom between each, well, actually with ourselves. Like sometimes we really have conflicts. Do you ever feel conflicted on the inside? Yeah. And so the Lord would invite us to be peacemakers with ourselves and ask him for some help on that. Like why do I kind of resist some of the things that I know would be good for me or that God wants for me? Or why am I, you know, down on myself or, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, But also building bridges with others. And so when there's a conflict, sometimes those two people can work it out themselves and they're peacemakers as they engage in dialogue about whatever the conflict is. Sometimes they need somebody else to come in and help be a peacemaker, and that's called a mediator or a negotiator. But it's really modeling the reconciling love and forgiveness of Christ. It's coming in with the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, which is kind of hard to imagine. How many of you just love to go towards conflict? No, it's really not our favorite thing. But if we think Jesus said, blessed. Oh, the deep, deep joy of the peacemakers. He's got something special for us as we step into this peacemaking. And so peacemakers can advise and call for peace. They can mediate to help differences. Um, And really, sometimes when we're one of the parties that's in a conflict, Sometimes being a peacemaker means just overlooking something, you know, that really wasn't that big a deal. Like take a broad perspective, like in 10 years, is this going to matter? You know, that they put their cup in the, you know, water filler before I did and we were both going for it. You know, no, Um, that's you can dismiss that. Um, You can apologize. You can not get defensive and let God defend you instead. We can give up our desire for vengeance and let the Lord take care of that too. And um, sometimes being a peacemaker means we need to bring up something. Maybe it's something very serious. Maybe it's something that's very hurtful. So um, let's just say that, you know, minor things, it's okay to just let that go. Something like an abuse situation, to be a peacemaker doesn't mean to sweep that under the rug. It actually means to bring it to light because there's never going to be peace until that gets brought to the light and gets resolved. All right? Peacemakers are not those who live to just enjoy their own peace, ignoring the chaos of the world like the Romans were doing. And it's not seeking a fake peace by just like, yeah, yeah, everything's okay. No, I'm not upset. Um, It's addressing the real hurts. All right. Eleanor Roosevelt said, it isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. And so peace takes work. Every important and good relationship takes work. Yes. Yeah. Every Christian is called to the hard work and the joy of peacemaking. And so remember I said that Um, When it comes to spiritual gifts, the Lord um, distributes those as he divinely sees fit, um, and we're to eagerly desire them, but not necessarily expect to have them all. 
um, on this Beatitudes, blessed is this, blessed is this, blessed is this, um, we're supposed to desire all those. And he's expecting us to grow these virtues and pour out all these rich blessings on us. And so Jesus starts by inviting us into blessings, and um, we're going to experience deep, deep joy because strife is going to be resolved and relationships are going to be restored. How many of you, and you don't need to raise your hands, but maybe have a strained relationship in your life that just brings so much heartache to you? There's deep, deep joy when the Lord helps us be peacemakers. We pray, we watch, and when we act as peacemakers, it says that he calls us children of God, and that called means to yell out in a loud voice or to be given a title among humans. And so it's like God's going... There's my kids. I'm so proud of them. Do you see them down there? Do you see what's going on? Did you see that? Oh, man. They're getting it. They're getting it. He calls us his children. Yeah. We want to grow as peacemakers. How many of you, like listening to this makes you feel like, I really do think I'd be open to be a peacemaker. I better see a lot of God's going on. All right, because it's really exciting to think about how the, um, he lets us reflect his character and helps bring reconciliation among people for the witness of the kingdom. And so how do we do this? I think it's really helpful to know and obey God's commands, to know um, that it's not you that's bringing this peace about. It's actually um, you're just being used as God's vessel. And so don't... Um, Carolyn, uh, your mom wanted, you know, to not rely on our own thoughts, you know. Wait now. Thank you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. And so don't go in thinking you know it all, but approach this with a careful analysis. So if there's a conflict and you get invited to help mediate that, And I would expect that all of us should be ready to do that at any time. Um, But one thing is just look and listen. Just watch what's going on and listen to people's stories. Don't go in thinking you know all the answers already and you've already got it figured out what the solution should be. But listen carefully and listen respectfully and reflect back what you're hearing one to the other. And pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the empowering work of the Spirit, because as you're filled with the Spirit, who is he? He's the counselor. He's the guide. If you're serving as a mediator, don't you think that would be helpful to have a counselor and a guide right there coaching us through? And so the Holy Spirit isn't just for the spiritual gifts. It's also he develops his character in us by his inward work of the Holy Spirit so that he's giving us self-control so that we can embody the kingdom of God, we can be a non-anxious presence. Do you think God is anxious on his throne today? No. We can be a non-anxious presence in the midst of conflict. And think about what a gift that would be for one another in the church. And think about what a gift that would be in the world today. Some of you may be called to governmental office someday. Some of you may be um, 
I'm not going to look at anybody, but, you know, like Secretary of State, might be a president in here someday, a congressperson, I'm not sure. But we need the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. A church planner from India talked about how that um, he was watching some of his um, members of his church engaging in mediation and helping a conflict. I don't remember what the exact conflict was, but something came up um, in their context. And he said it was like they were so filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit that it was like the presence of God and the peace of God just oozed out in the room. And the, the you know, flare-ups just started to, what's that word, de-escalate, Brendan? Yeah, just started to de-escalate. And um, they were instruments of peace. And they were being given wisdom and guided by the Holy Spirit as they served. Blessed are the peacemakers, the shalom creators, the presence carriers. Blessed are the bridge builders, the royal priests who stand in the gap. And so as you show people and maybe disciple people, What does God say about conflict? He says things like this. Don't replay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 17. And how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Psalm 133. I want to live a blessed life. I want our church to live a blessed life. How do we do that? We commit to unity. We commit to um, knowing that that's how the Lord will promise to give his blessing. Colossians 3.14 says, Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And then I just want to say, trust the outcome. When you've tried to initiate peacemaking efforts, trust the outcome. You don't control the outcome, but the work is never unsuccessful, no matter what happens, because you've stood as a beacon of light. You have stood as an ambassador of the kingdom of God and pointed to the testimony that there is a day coming when shalom will be in its fullness. Everything right. Everything set in place. All right, so going back to Taylor Swift. I just tried changing the words, but it's not in print, so I didn't do any licensing infractions or anything. But I, I was thinking, when we are peacemakers, then the players going to change, change, change their ways, and the church is going to love, 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 love. Be reconciled, reconciled. We reconcile, reconcile. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we are anointed with the Spirit to represent him. And he calls us and invites us into the blessing of being peacemakers. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker.
Lord, we thank you that you invite us into relationship with you. And you make peace in our souls, in our spirits. Lord, we thank you that you invite us to represent you as peacemakers to the world. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to practice and hone our skills here within this church. Let us love unconditionally. Let us forgive readily. And Lord, let us just die to ourselves and rise for Christ and live for you. We choose to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.